turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 today. Genesis chapter 3. I'll be going there in just a moment as you're turning there. I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness with your tithes and your offering and your giving each and every week or month. However you give, you allow us to do some incredible things for the kingdom, helping people plant churches, helping people in foreign uh, countries and nations, hearing the gospel for the first time in their own language, uh, and also just doing things in our own city. And I'm so thankful that uh, we have people who uh, are sowing into what God is doing here. And if you'd like to be a part of that, our ushers will be at the door as you leave today. You can uh, fill out an envelope. You can go online. You can text to give. However you give, thank you so much for your faithfulness <coughs> with your giving. Genesis chapter 3 today. Today's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's truly a time to celebrate. And as we celebrate today, I want to be sure that we have an understanding of the significance of the depth of this day. Uh, and so many wonder, you know, why, why did it take a cross? Why did it take death? And before we leave today, I hope we have a better understanding of that. In Genesis chapter 3, here we have Adam and Eve. And at this time, they are perfect people. I hate to break it to you, but they were the only perfect people to ever walk on planet Earth. And it only lasted for a very short while. And as they are walking, as they are these perfect people walking in this perfect earth, something happens in this moment. And it was so big that we are still feeling the effects of it today. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the word says, Now the serpent, somebody say serpent. Serpent was more cunning. That snake was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate of it. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sowed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice and in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself and he said who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat then the man said the woman who gave who you gave to be with me she gave me of the tree and I ate isn't it just like a man to blame the woman and the Lord God said to the woman 
What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent, that snake, deceived me and I ate of it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness and mercy. Lord, we thank you for the souls that have found you today and those that are going to find you in this service. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, for what you've been doing and what you are doing. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that our eyes would be focused on you. Lord, I pray that our ears would be in tune with your word. Lord, I pray that anything that may be fighting for our attention over these next 20 or so minutes, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that those things would cease. We just lay those things down, Lord, and we just lock our eyes on you, Lord. And I pray that as this word goes forth this morning, may it fall on some soil that's ready to receive the seed. May it be like rain in a dry place. May it be food for those who are hungry. May it be like fire in our bones this morning. And we'll give you all the honor and all of the glory and all of the praise. And the church said amen, amen, and amen. Here we are. We are uh, watching and we are listening at this conversation with Eve and the serpent that is taking place here. And it's important to understand that the serpent itself is not the enemy, but it's being used by the enemy. And through this serpent, the enemy has found his way into an area that he should not have access to inside of Eve's head. And Eve is having a conversation that she probably should have never had. And so often when we hear of someone like Eve that may have been overcome by the enemy or that has given in to the temptation or that has been deceived by Satan. When we hear of someone like Eve in a situation like this, we often will say and feel that, that it, it, it's probably because that person is just spiritually immature or, or it's, it's probably because they really don't know the word of God. But, but as we were watching and listening to this, to this story, this story in life, here we watch as Eve is being questioned uh, about what was spoken by God. And Eve is just kind of popping it back to the serpent. No, that, no, this is what God said. No, God did say that uh, I can eat from this tree but cannot eat from that tree. Uh, and, and, and we watch as she dialogues back and forth with this serpent and continues to repeat the words that just came out of the mouth of God. So this shows to us that she's actually very aware of God's word, that she's very aware of God's direction and what God has spoken to her. And here we see the enemy not, not, not coming up against what she does not know, but he is using what she does know. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, I say this a lot, that we do not fight against flesh and blood. It's talking about how we actually are fighting in the spirit, and it gives way that we are fighting in the spirit and one of the ways that it mentions that we are fighting spiritual battles is one of the first ones it 
says, knowledge that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because so often uh, our biggest battle is when Satan gets in our head. Can anybody testify to that? And he tries to get us to believe that God cannot and will not do what his word has promised he would do. He will tell us, did God really tell you that you'll die from that tree? And she says, yes, that's exactly what he said. No, that's not, that, that, that's not what he really meant, is it? He's, he's a loving God. And he begins to deceive her by making this argument ab- about against what God has said. And we, the church, right here, right now, we need to get this and we need to understand this. Because if God ever speaks to you, he will always give, whenever he gives you a word or a promise, you better be ready and expect an argument from Satan. Because anytime God speaks, Satan is going to try to come and get you to believe that it is a lie. The Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, if the enemy wants to change your life, all he's got to do is change your mind. This day in history that we're reading about, Eve is, Eve is losing it, the battle in her mind. And she gives into this deception. And she begins to believe what God has said is not really true. And here we are today in the now, right here in America, and we're still fighting this same spirit and listening to the rhetoric of the world as, 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 as we know the word, but, but the world is telling us, no, it's okay to do like this. And even more sad than that is the number of people that continue to believe Satan as he exalts his knowledge against God's word. Amen. He's saying, live this way. It's okay. You can partake of that, it's really okay. Does God really care if you are in this lifestyle? I thought he was a God of love. He doesn't care if you live like that. And it's important to note that whenever he created Adam, he created Adam, the word says, in the image of himself. Adam was created in the image of God. In other words, when God looked at Adam, God wanted to see himself. Whenever God looks at you, he wants to see himself. He wants it to be like a mirror reflection, like he's looking at him like his own self. But now sin has come and now something has shifted and now God is looking on earth but cannot see a reflection of his own. So we watch as God is walking on the earth in the cool of the day and for the first time he cannot see himself in what he just created. And we watch and we hear as God uh, speaks his first recorded question, where are you? I'm here, but where are you? I created you to look like me, but where are you? I can't see the version of you that I created. Because now Adam knows that he does not look like what he was created to look like. And he's thinking, so since you cannot see yourself, I better go and hide myself. 
Who told you that you were naked? Who, who, who have you been talking to? He said, he said, I can tell by where you are. I can tell by listening to you. You've, you haven't been talking to the right people. He said, I can tell by where you are at in life. You've been talking to the wrong person. I can tell by what you look like. I can tell by the tone of your voice that you must have been talking to a snake. It's easy to, it's so easy to, 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 to find out who's been talking to a snake. You can just listen to somebody and know they've been talking to a snake. Have you ever noticed that when God in the story begins to give out curses, he's cursing the woman, he's cursing, uh, he's cursing the, the tree, he cursed the snake, but he did not curse Satan. And if you let the enemy use you to bring others down like he did the serpent, when the curse comes, when the consequences come, Satan will say bye and you're left to deal with the curse. See, that's the, that's the exact way that Satan behaves. He, he, he tells you that it's okay to live that lifestyle. He tells, you it's, he tells you it's okay to live that way. But whenever you end up with a disease, he says bye, and you're stuck with the consequences of the choice that you were talked into. He will tell you that drugs are harmless. He will tell you, go ahead and smoke that because you're just taking the edge off. It's okay. And, but, but then you become an addict and he says, bye, and leaves you there to deal with the curse. It is just like Satan to talk you into a corner. It is just like the enemy to get you to believe his lies. It is just like him to get in your head and mess up your life. And then the curse comes and he says, bye. But let me tell you some truth this morning morning. The God that is here today, Jesus said, I am, I will be with you always, even until the end of this earth. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, you may have a bad day, but I'll never say bye. You may have a stressful day, but I'll never say bye. You may be full of anxiety, but I'll never leave you. No, I'm still here. I'll never forsake you. I am with you always. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God that will never, ever leave us? us now quickly turn with me to John chapter 3 as we fast forward thousands of years John chapter 3 Jesus has come the blood of countless lambs and goats and pigeons too many to count the blood has been shed to cover up the sin of the people but the problem is that the blood that was shed, it's not doing away with sin. It's just somewhat covering it up. It, there's no lasting salvation with it. And in John chapter 3, here is Jesus Christ, and he's having a conversation with this educated man whose name was Nicodemus. But as smart of a man as Nicodemus was, he was still having difficulty understanding how all of this stuff works. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that was supposed to be smart, but they really were not that smart? Ever? Anybody? In John chapter 3, verse 12, he's looking at him. He said, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe... How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, 
But he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, hmm, the snake in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now this is interesting. The serpent was cursed in Genesis. And here's Jesus talking, comparing himself to a serpent. Interesting. I mean, I'm okay with Jesus comparing himself to love and hope and joy. But now here is Jesus comparing himself to a snake. And here is this Jesus trying to explain to this smart man why he's come and what he's meant to do. And Jesus thought it was necessary to tell this man that he is comparing himself to a snake. Why is this? Let's keep reading. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's be honest. All the way throughout history, from the very beginning of time, even today, the snake is looked at as evil. If you're like me, I hate snakes. I don't care what color it is. I don't care if it's good for rat control. If I see it, it's dead. If it crosses in front of me, I'm running over it. I don't care. Those of you who have snakes in your house in these little cages, I don't get you. Please do not invite me to your house. I will not come into your house. I cannot stand snakes. Snakes make people cringe. It is usually not described as a positive thing. He's a snake in the grass. That'll snake. Snakes, they're looked at as a cursed creation because from the beginning he cursed the serpent and now here it is being depicted the serpent as the thing that came in and tore humanity down and then here is Jesus making the comparison that I'm going to be like a snake when I'm raised upon the cross watch this when the cross is lifted up he's saying and here I am suspended for, whole, for the whole world to see upon this cross. He's saying, I will no longer be the holy one. When I'm on the cross, I'll no longer be the healer. When I'm on the cross, I'll no longer be the miracle worker. I'll no longer be the water walker. No, but when I'm on the cross, I will become like the most vile thing that has ever been known on planet earth. See, we've got to understand this today and remind ourselves daily is that when Jesus was on the cross, to the onlookers, he was Jesus, he was a man. But to the Father and as a believer, he wasn't Jesus, he was sin on that cross because the Bible clearly says he became our sin. It doesn't say he represented sin. No, it says he became sin. And get this, he turned into everything that you don't want people to know about you. 
He turned into everything you've been trying to hide since you were a teenager. Everything that you did in your 20s. Anybody guilty? Those some of the holiest people I know. He was on the cross for that. For what some of you are still doing in your 50s and 60s. You know who you are. He died on the cross for that. For all of the details of your life that you want people to forget about. He said, I'm like that serpent. All the things that you would leave out if I ask you to get up here and tell your testimony because you don't want people to remember those, those things. All of that, when they lifted him up, he was no longer the rabbi. He was no longer the holy one. But all of a sudden, he became every evil thing. And the reason that Jesus had to die was so that every evil thing about you could die with him. When he died, we all died. Amen? When he died, all of the ugliness in us, it, it, it passed away. And when the Bible says he who has been born again is now a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's another reason why we celebrate on Sunday. Because on Friday, every bad thing about us died when he was raised on the cross. But on Sunday, every good thing about him was raised up in that empty tomb. And that's when holiness came back to life. That's when righteousness made its way back to earth. That's when love and joy and peace and purity made its way back to earth. And the very fact that he got up is an indicator that everything is possible to him, to him who believes today. Nicodemus, you just don't get it. I have to become everything that people hate, just like a serpent. In other words, I've got to bear a cross in order for this thing to work. And while everyone will be thinking this is my worst day, it's actually going to be your best day. John 12, 27 says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Man, help me out. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said, it sounded like thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. He said, I, what you're hearing is not for me, but the voice, it's for you. He said, I'm sending my word for you. I'm speaking today for you. Listen, why? Because now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. He said, whenever I'm on the cross, guess what? The ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said, the sin that has dominated in your life, 
since the serpent took Adam and Eve down, when they lift me up from the earth, when they lift me up on this cross, men will come unto me. People who need something, they're going to they're gonna come to the cross. People who are lost, they're going to come to the cross. People whose marriages are on the verge of just disaster, they're going to come to the cross. People who don't have, they're going to come to the cross. People who need healing, they're going to come to the cross. He said, he said whenever I got lifted up like this serpent, like this evil thing, I will kick out all of the evil. Yes, for three days he will bruise my heel, but the word said, I will crush his head for eternity. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited today. That the head of Satan is being crushed even today. I said the head of Satan is under your feet today. As he was on the cross and said it was finished. Satan's head was being crushed. And you need to get this this morning because today Jesus is here. And he's asking the same first question. Where are you? I'm here. But where are you? I've not seen you in a while. Where are you? I've not heard from you in a while. Where are you? You're not where you used to be. Where are you? When I look at you, I no longer see a reflection. I don't, you're not dressed like I dressed you. You, you don't look like the one I created. Where are you? I've not heard from you in a while. Where are you? He became sin for you. He said, we're going to kill the serpent on the cross. And whenever I get up on the third day, I'm coming back to remove the fig leaves. I'm coming back to remove the things that, you've, that you're hiding behind. He said, whenever I come back, whenever, whenever that tomb is empty, I'm coming back. To, I'm sending my spirit to earth, and it's going to break chains. It's going to break bondage. It's going to remove those things that you've been hiding behind. But where are you?